to John, the sixth chapter. John, the sixth chapter. Today, I want to talk about what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Has anybody ever got into a position in your life and you wondered, what are we going to do to get out of this? What are we going to do to get out of this mess? Has any, anyone ever been there besides me? What are we going to do? 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 Sometimes I think that uh, that may be the number one question that some of us may be asking ourselves at times. What are we going to do? And uh, so let's go into the Bible and look at just a couple of areas where I think all of us have been or maybe currently are at one time or another. Where we've asked ourselves, what are we going to do? The first one has to do with provision. How many of you have ever been in a situation where there just wasn't enough money, there wasn't enough provision, and things were getting tight, things were tight, there was more months to go after your money ran out, and you're saying, what are we going to do? Has anybody ever been there? And particularly in these economic times, we've, you know, many people, more people probably have been in that condition than, than in days gone by. What are we going to do? Well, let's look at John, the sixth chapter, third verse. What are we going to do when there's not enough? Look at, look at this, John 6, 3, And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him. Did you know God will test us? This he said to test him, for he himself, Jesus himself, knew what he would do. Philip answered him, notice what Philip says, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient, not enough, not sufficient for them that every one of them may even have a little. Now it's interesting, in this situation, a whole lot of people needed food. And they didn't have enough money to buy enough food to provide for the multitude. But it's interesting, Jesus knew what he was going to do, but Philip didn't have the answer. You know, the Bible says my people, God says my people are destroyed for a lack of what? For a lack of knowledge. So if we get in a situation and we ask ourselves, what are we going to do? We need to be sure we have the knowledge of God to deal with the situation. Did you know that God has an answer for every time we ask, what are we going to do? Did you know that he has an answer? Did you know there's nothing that we're ever going to run into in life that God doesn't already have the answer for? But you see, it's up to us to go into the Bible and, and read it, study it, and find out what the answers are. 
Actually, you can find out the answers to problems before you ever encounter problems. If we'll make a study of the Word of God. Wouldn't it be good to have answers to problems before you even are faced with the problem? See, the Word of God already has all the answers. It's just a matter of going in there and finding out what the answers are. What are we going to do? The Bible has the answer. And here in this case, what were they going to do? Well, Jesus knew what he was going to do. Philip, he, he was, you know, he's looking at what money I guess they did have. It's not going to be enough. Notice verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, uh, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Well, he didn't, they, they, he didn't really have the answer either, did he? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, two of Jesus' disciples didn't really have the answer. Did Jesus know what he was going to do? Yeah, let, let's see what he was going to do. Notice verse 10. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks... Now notice this. Now how, how much food did they have? How much food did they have? Five barley loaves and two small fish. Now that would probably be enough for maybe one or two people. That's not going to be enough for all these people. That's, that, that's just not going to be enough for all these people. I remember we went on a vacation one time my wife and I, to one of her relatives' house. And they took us out for a picnic lunch. And I remember, remember we sat down at the picnic table and they opened the picnic basket up and they put the food on the table and I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, where is uh, everybody else's? Because that's just enough to feed me. They were kind of tight on money, you know. They had a lot, I know, they had a lot of money. They just were kind of tight. They didn't want to spend any of their money and feed me and Pastor Diane. You all have any skin flint relatives besides me? <laughs> I looked at that and I thought, where's everybody else's? Well, they didn't have enough. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? They didn't have enough. What are we going to do? Well, notice what Jesus did. He took the little that was there and gave thanks. He took the little that was there and gave thanks. And you know, that's, that's what I've learned to do over the years. I've had to learn to do this when there's not been enough. You know, and even in that situation that I just told you about when I was with my wife and we were over at the relatives and there was just a little sitting on the table... You know what you do? You just be thankful that you have some food to eat. There's a lot of people in the world don't have food to eat. Huh? Is, is that right? You know? And so rather than complaining that I didn't have enough, I was just thankful for what I did have. And that's what we need to, to, to do. What are we going to do when things are tight? When there's not enough money to make it to the end of the month? What we need to do is just be thankful that we have enough money to make it as far as we have. Be thankful for, for what you do have. 
If you want to go anywhere with God, you're going to have to be thankful for what you do have. Do you understand? I mean, like, let's just say it was 100 degrees out today and the air conditioning broke and we had to sit in the heat. Do you know there's a lot of Christians would, would, would go home and wouldn't even sit through the service because it was a little hot and they'd crab and complain all the way home rather than just being thankful we have a building to meet in. Do you get what I said? We need to just be thankful for what we do have. I've already seen Christians over the many years, they'd crab and complain because the seats that they were sitting on were too hard. We ought to just be thankful we have a chair to sit on. Huh? And we ought to be thankful that we can sit there and we're not in any pain. Amen? I've already seen people crab and complain because they didn't you know, their shoes were worn out and whatnot. You know what you do? You just be thankful for the shoes that you have because all you need to do is go find somebody that doesn't have any feet. Huh? Is that right? A lot of times people crab and complain about the car that they drive because it's not brand new or this or that or the other. You know, let's just be thankful we have a car. Is that right? I've seen people crab and complain over the years because of the house that they live in. It's not just quite what they like. You know, be thankful that you have a roof over your head. You see, what I'm trying to say is, is that we need to be thankful for what we do have. And I've had to learn this myself because I'm the kind of person, just by my personality, I always kind of look at what I don't have and crab and complain. And I've had to learn this over the years. Don't look at what you, you, you don't, don't focus on what you don't have and complain about that, but rather look at what you do have and be thankful for that. Did you hear me? Huh? Do you understand? What did Jesus do? Did he, did he take the little that was there and crab and complain about it? Did he crab and complain that, oh, there's only five fish and two, or what was it, five loaves and two fish? Do you see Jesus complaining about that? No. What did he do? He took what he did have and he was thankful for it. And I think this is something that all of us need to be reminded of again and again, and probably me more than anybody else, is that we need to look at what we do have and be thankful for what we do have, and then the blessing of God will come on it. I've learned this about God. He does not bless crabbing and complaining. Has anybody ever crabbed and complained besides me? He won't bless that. God is looking for people to be thankful for what they do have. And so what are we going to do when things are tight? What are we going to do when there's not enough money to pay, pay, pay all the bills? What are we going to do when maybe there's not quite enough food to go around? What are we going to do when maybe the clothes aren't all brand new? What are we going to do? What we're going to do is say this, say we're going to be thankful for what we do have. So there's your answer. Be thankful for what you do have. And then as the story goes on, he gave thanks. He distributed them to the disciples, the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they what? As much as they wanted. You see what just being thankful for what you do have will produce? It'll produce eventually as much as you want. So when they were filled... So when they were what? When they were filled, 
He said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Now here's something else I'll throw in there for you. This isn't a part of my message, but if you want to walk with God, you can't be wasteful. Don't be wasteful. Don't waste things. Now, my wife, as much as I love her, she's really got this one down good. Uh, have you ever had like the ketchup get down all the way to the bottom and it's time to throw it away? How many ever... Boy, you all sitting out there quiet this morning. I'm not picking on my wife. She's just a blessing. You get, the, you get it down, you know, where it's you're, you know, you're squeezing the bottle and it's making unsavory sounds. <laughs> you don't, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> huh? You know what I mean? How many has ever done that besides me? You know? And you, <laughs> you know, and look around, hope nobody's looking. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> well, when it gets to that point, my wife says that that, that, that that bottle's worth about another maybe two or three usages, you see. And so I say, no, no, we're going to bless God, throw that away, and we're going to open up the new one, you know. But you see, she's not wasteful, and God really has honored that over the years. And, uh, but where I draw the line is when you take the, the bottle of shampoo, and then you put some water in it. Shampoo, how many has ever shampooed and you put some water in there and you can't get any suds worth a darn, can you? So that's where I draw the line. I say enough's enough and I, then I go out and get me some new bottle of shampoo. But still we shouldn't be wasteful, should we? Jesus said so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. So let me see if you got this first one. What are we going to do when there doesn't seem to be enough? What do we do? Be thankful for what we do have. Okay? All right. Now then let's look at another area of life where we need to have an answer. What are we going to do when people put us down? How many has ever been put down besides me? How many has ever been talked about bad besides me? How many has ever said bad things about you? And, and you, you know, am I the only one or has that happened? That's happened. What do we do when people are just mean and nasty? What do we do? Well, look at Matthew, the fifth chapter. And we can get an answer here. So we'll know what to do. When this happens. So when people are mean to me, what am I going to do? I'm going to be mean to them. Is that right? No, you know better than that. But you know, we all need to hear this again. We all need to hear this again. When people do us dirty, what do we do? Look at this. Verse 11, Matthew 5, 11, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. What are we supposed to do? Verse 12 says what? Say it again. Say rejoice. And be exceedingly glad. Now do you have your answer there? Now how many of you would agree with me? That's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> how many of you know your flesh doesn't want to do that? Huh? How many of you would agree with me if you're, if you're like me, if somebody kicks you, your flesh wants to kick them back? 
If they talk bad about you, you want to talk bad about them back. I mean, you know, you want to get even with them. How many of your flesh likes to get even? No, that's not what we're supposed to do. When, when people revile us and persecute us and say all kinds of evil against us and lie about us and so on, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to what? Rejoice and be what? Exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Look at verse 38. Let's just skip down there for the sake of time. For you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, Jesus is speaking here. Here he says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. How many of you know your flesh don't want to do that? Huh? If somebody hits you on the right cheek, the flesh response is to come back and hit them. But you know something I've had to learn because somebody came up to me and they asked me one time, they said, based on what Jesus said here, do I have to be a punching bag for people to just come hit me and take advantage of me? No, you know what the Lord got across to me one time is this. If somebody comes up and and, and does something like this to me and they hit me, What I need to do is respond in love. Because you see, if I put my boxing gloves on, then God goes sits in the neutral corner and he lets me do my own fighting for me. And I'm liable to lose. But if somebody comes up and hits me and does bad to me, and if I'll just respond in love and go sit in a neutral corner... Guess what? God will put his boxing gloves on. And he'll stand up and he'll fight my battles for me. And the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And so I've learned to let God do my fighting for me. And how many of you know, see, if I do my fighting for me, I could lose. But if God does my fighting for me, he's not going to lose. But you need to learn this about God. When he retaliates on your behalf, he first moves toward that person that did you wrong. He first moves toward them in love. And he gives them every opportunity imaginable to repent. But if they don't, eventually he will put his boxing gloves on and vengeance will come and he'll take care of it on your behalf and he'll vindicate you. But I've had to learn this because there's been times where people have done me dirty and I've wanted to put my boxing gloves on and go go after them. But I've had to learn, what are we going to do when somebody's mean and nasty to me? No, no, we don't put the boxing gloves on. We let God put the boxing gloves on. I go sit in the corner and just respond in love. Amen? Now that's easier said than done. Verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you, And take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. The flesh don't want to do that. But that's what the word of God says do. That's what we need to do. Look at verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say to you, verse 44, what, do, what does Jesus say here? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So what do you do when, you're, when you go sit in the neutral corner? You pray for those people who are being nasty to you. How many of you want to come out on the victory side? Well, then we have to do this. I said we have to do this. As long as you're fighting your own battles, you're going to be frustrated and you're never going to come out ahead. But if you'll just do what, this, what, the, what Jesus said to do here, he's already given us the answer. What are we going to do when people put us down? Well, what we need to do is respond to them in love. Let's get verse 44 again. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Let's, I just, we need to read that. Just, let's read verse 44 together where it starts. It's right up there where it starts with love your enemies. Say this. Say love. Let's go. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Amen? So what are we going to do when people put us down? We're going to rejoice. We're going to be exceedingly glad. We're not going to put our boxing gloves on. We're going to let God do our fighting for us. And we're going to walk in love and bless and not curse. And we're going to pray. Amen? Now, I always need to say this because almost without exception, whether it's here or on the Internet, do you know as we, as we teach these messages, they go out on the Internet, we load them up on the Internet after the service, and they've gone all over the world. Isn't that something? I'm amazed that, that, that I'd be able to, 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 to do that. How many countries? There's lots of them. Com- communist places. So I need to say this. Uh, dear lady, listen to me. If you're living with an abusive husband and he's beating you, you need to get away from him. You don't need to live with that. Yeah, but didn't the Bible say pray for it? Yeah, pray for him, but get away from him. Do you know some people you have to love them from a distance? Did you hear me? And I've actually seen ladies stay with with deadbeat, good-for-nothing men that were beating them up and they've stayed with them for years and they got beat up for years because they misunderstood this scripture here. God, you can read the book of Malachi and see that God has no place for a man that beats his wife. And I get angry just thinking about that. Can you think about, think about that, a man beating on a woman. That should not ought to be. You know what that guy needs? You know what I'd like to do for that guy? I'd like to get four of the biggest, strongest men in the church and take that wife beater out and tie him to a tree and pray for him. <laughs> Lay hands on him. Thank you. You get my heart in this? Because I've actually, I have to say this because sometimes people listen to this and, they, and they'll, they'll, they'll take that scripture and, and the devil will twist it around on them and they'll stay with a wife beater. No, lady, you need to get away from that. Amen? 
I tell you what, something, I, I just feel impressed to say this, something that can be worse than physical beating is when somebody verbally abuses somebody else. I wouldn't stay around that either. Now, I'm not talking about somebody losing their temper, you know, and blundering. I'm talking about a lifestyle where somebody's always calling people names and calling them names and abusing them with their mouth. Uh, I, wouldn't put around, I wouldn't put up with that. You do whatever you want with that. Amen? All right, let's move on. What are we going to do when we're tempted? How many has been, ever been tempted in here besides me to do wrong? How many has ever given in to the temptation besides me? How many of you wish you hadn't given in to the temptation? All right, we're all human. We've all missed it, even as Christians. What are we going to do when we're tempted? Let's go to Matthew, the fourth chapter. Verse 1, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Well, Jesus is our example, isn't he? So if he was tempted and he was successful, we ought to look and see what he did to be successful and then we can be successful too. What are we going to do when we're tempted? Well, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry and the tempter came to him. Does anybody know who the tempter is? Satan, the devil, came to him. He said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, what are those next three words? It is written, written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Interesting. Then verse 5, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 8, again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil, what did the devil do then? He left him and behold angels came and ministered to Jesus. What do we learn here? And and you know we could we could teach on these 11 verses for weeks and weeks and weeks and there's so much we could say but what I'm trying to get at here today is what are we going to do when we're tempted? When we're t- did, Now let me ask you this. Did Jesus just say no? No he didn't. What did he respond with? He responded with the word of God. And so when we're tempted, what we need to do is we need to be sure that we've hidden the word of God. What does the Bible say? The psalmist said, he says, I have hidden, he says to God, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Does anybody remember reading that? You see... If, if, all, if you don't have the word of God hidden in your heart and you get tempted in a certain area, if all you do is say no, if all you do is try to use willpower in that situation, you're going to come up on the short end of the stick and you're going to lose out and you're going to wind up yielding to the devil and sinning. 
But if you'll hide the word of God in your heart, and when the devil hits you in a certain area, you don't just say no, but rather you respond with what? It is written, and you quote the scripture to the devil, then it'll frustrate him, and he'll leave you alone. So what do we do when we're tempted? We respond with the word of God. Now then, the last one I want to look at here is what are we going to do when we're caught between a rock and a hard place? Has anybody ever been caught between a rock and a hard place? Do you know what I mean when I say that? You're caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, Moses was caught between a rock and a hard place, wasn't he? Didn't he have Pharaoh's army on one side pressing in on him and he had the Red Sea on the other? Is that right? And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You got the army of Pharaoh coming in on one side. You've got, you've got the Red Sea on the other. What are we going to do? Well, what did Moses do? He looked to God, didn't he? And he lifted that staff. Is that right? And what happened? The, the sea, well, the, the, there was, there, the, 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 what was there? A cloud or there was a, a flame of fire or something that came down and held Pharaoh's army at bay. Do you remember that? And then God, in that night, he parted the sea. Is that right? And they walked across on dry ground. You see, what are we going to do when we're between a rock and a hard place? We need to look to God. Now, notice here in John, the eighth chapter, in the third verse, notice what the Bible says. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him, brought to Jesus, a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Did you ever think about that? They pulled her right out of the bed. Now these were religious people. And they didn't care anything about that lady. All they cared about was trying to trick Jesus. Did you know that is so common of people that are that are bound by religion and a bunch of rules and regulations they didn't care anything about this lady how many of you would agree with me that the bible teaches that when people are are overcome by sin we shouldn't be trying to catch them and shake our finger at them we should be trying to restore them huh and walking in love toward them. How many of you, if you got caught in a sin, would you like us to shake our finger at you and kick you out the door? Would you like that? Or would you like us to deal mercifully with you? Well, you see, this lady was caught in the very act. And they bring her to Jesus. In verse 5, now they say to, they say to Jesus, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what say you? Or what do you say? And this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. See, they didn't care anything about that woman. All they cared about was catching the preacher and, 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 and catching him in his words. 
I've already had people sit in this, in this building over the years and, 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 and I was teaching something and it was something that they needed to hear, but they were more concerned because I didn't phrase something just right. Isn't that sad? Or when I was teaching, I might have said, Abraham parted the Red Sea. Well, you know, Abraham didn't do that. Who did that? Moses, but you see, I just, how many is human in here besides me? I just slipped. Has anybody ever slipped? How many of you would know the difference if I said Abraham part of the Red Sea or Moses? Most of you would. But you see, we're all human. And, 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 and we shouldn't be, you know, sitting out there trying to catch somebody in every little word. Can you say amen to that? But they brought her to Jesus to try to catch him. See, According to the law of Moses, this woman was, she could have been stoned. But Jesus had been going around preaching on love and forgiveness. Do you understand that? And so now, if Jesus, if he says, now look, he's caught between a rock and a hard place here. Because if he says, don't stone her, what is he saying? He's saying to violate the law of Moses. If he says, stone her, then he's violating everything he's been teaching on about love and forgiveness. Can you see that Jesus is caught between a rock and a hard place? You see that? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, notice this. Verse 6 This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Let's say that. Say, as though he did not hear. What is he doing? He's ignoring that critical spirit. He's not going to respond to that critical spirit. And certainly he's not going to respond to it immediately. Now listen, friends. When people come to you criticizing somebody else, what you don't want to do is you don't want to chime in with them. Is that right? And something else you don't want to do is you don't want to sit there and listen to that poison for any length of time. I'm convinced to listen to gossip is just as bad as gossiping yourself. And they're bringing this lady, they're accusing this lady and and Jesus. Now, what are we going to do? Notice verse 6. He does not respond immediately, does he? he? He doesn't say anything. He stoops down. As though he didn't hear. And what does he do? He starts writing on the ground. Now people have argued for years over what Jesus was writing on the ground. Now I I can't prove to you what he was writing on the ground. But if you want my opinion. Opinions are like noses. Everybody has one. My opinion is this. Whenever the finger of God writes. We see him writing the commandments. Didn't we see the finger of God right in the Old Testament? And what did he write? He wrote the Ten Commandments. 
I personally believe, I'm of the opinion that what Jesus did is he began writing the Ten Commandments, you see? Because these guys, these religious hypocrites bring this lady to Jesus and they're quoting the law of Moses to, to Jesus, you know, that the law says that one that's done this should, that's committed adultery should be stoned. I believe Jesus just began writing the Ten Commandments. And he ignored him as though he did not hear. Verse 7, so when they continued asking him, you know, that's what backbiters and gossips will do when you don't pay any attention to them. They'll just go on and on and on because they want to have somebody to spew their poison to. Is that right? And they continued asking him. He raised himself up and said to them, now notice what he says. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Now, my goodness, that is, to me, that is one of the best things I see in the Bible. That's one of the slickest things I see in the Bible. Do you know what Jesus did? He didn't respond immediately. He backed off from that situation. He, he, he stooped to the ground. I believe he was writing the Ten Commandments. But I also believe he was listening to the Holy Spirit how many of you know Jesus, though he was God, he was just as much human as you or me? And how many of you know that he said himself, I do nothing except I see the Father do it first. I believe he was, he was looking to his Father. I believe he was relying on the Holy Spirit to give him direction as to how to answer these people, as to how to deal with this situation. Again, he's caught between a rock and a hard place. If he says, if he says, don't stoner, he's violating the law of Moses. If he says, do, uh, do stoner, he's violating all of his teaching on love and forgiveness. He's between a rock and a hard place. So real loud, say this, say, Jesus, Jesus, say it, say Jesus, Jesus. Bided, some time. bided some time. You know what I mean by that? He didn't respond immediately. He's waiting on, on his heavenly father. Listen, if you don't get anything else, get this. Whenever you're between a rock and a hard place, what you don't want to do is you don't want to respond immediately. What you want to do is you want to take some time, pull away from the situation and seek the face of God, get into the word of God, seek the face of God and find out what it is God wants you to do and he'll give you the right answer. You see, in this situation, there was seemingly two answers. Stoner, don't stoner. Neither one of those were the answer to give. So what did Jesus do? He sought his father and the Holy Spirit gave him a third choice. How many of you have ever taken a multiple choice test? You know, A, B, C, and then, then none of the above, all the above, A and B, but not. So how many of you have ever had those kind? How many of you don't like those kind? I don't like those kind. It confused. Sometimes just choosing the answer is more confusing than the question. You know, A, not B, maybe C, you know, I don't know. But, but, but you, what I'm trying to say is when you're caught between a rock and a hard place, don't respond immediately. Pull back from the situation, seek God, and give Him time to get you the answer. And Jesus didn't do A or B. The Holy Ghost got Him choice C. And that choice was, He who is without sin among you, let Him throw a stone at her first. 
And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the least. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Did did that answer that Jesus gave, which I think is one of the slickest answers in all the Bible, did Jesus, that answer, did that answer get him out of that situation? Big time. It got him out, didn't it? And, and it got him out so much that all those religious hypocrites that were there, all those accusers, it caused them to do what? Drop their rocks and leave. How many of you would like to get your accusers to drop their rocks and leave? Well, how did Jesus do it? He did it by not responding, just, just boom. He, he was biding some time, waiting on the Holy Spirit, giving the answer. He was, I believe he was writing the Ten Commandments on there. And guess what? As he was writing those commandments, I'm convinced that maybe some of these accusers hadn't committed adultery, but maybe they had missed one of those other commandments. Did you ever think about that? Huh? Did anybody ever think about that? And maybe they, maybe these guys never committed adultery, but maybe they stole something. Or maybe they didn't honor their mother and their father. Or maybe they hadn't, hadn't kept the Sabbath day holy or something like that. Maybe one of them had coveted what his neighbor had. Huh? And and so maybe they didn't commit adultery, but maybe they had missed one of those other commandments, you see. And doesn't the Bible say that their conscience, what they were convicted in their conscience? That's why I believe Jesus was writing the Ten Commandments, because evidently they probably didn't commit adultery, but they may have missed it in some other area. The Bible says to miss it in one area is the same as miss it in all. Is that right? And so Jesus, he was biding time, waiting on the Holy Spirit. He got the answer. And then when he gave the answer, it was so powerful that it caused all of these accusers to leave. And in verse 10, when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, What did he say? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, the interesting thing here, and I'll close with this. The thing that blesses me just immeasurably about this right here is that Jesus was the only one there in the midst that was qualified to stone that woman because he was the only one who had never committed sin. Is that right? He was the only one qualified to stone her and he didn't do it. Doesn't that show you something about how good he is? He says, neither do I condemn you. But then he also says, go and sin no more. He doesn't condone sin. Don't don't misunderstand me. He doesn't condone sin. Did you know eventually he was going to have to die on the cross to pay for that woman's adultery? Did you ever think about that? He doesn't condone sin. How many of you know God is against sin? Because it'll destroy you. But it's good to know that Jesus isn't going to just leave you and beat you up over the head when you miss it. He's a good, 
gentle, merciful Savior. Amen? So what are we going to do when we're caught between a rock and a hard place? Say this, I'm going to wait on God. And I'm going to get an answer from Him. And He'll get me out. Did you get anything out of this today? Stand with me if you would. Praise God. Well, just some areas here that we run into every day. Hope that it helped you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, listen to me now. There'll be some men and women up here. I don't want anybody to leave here today without having the opportunity to have received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Remember, there is a heaven above and there is a hell beneath. And one day, we're all going to go to one of those two places. There is no middle ground. There is no purgatory. There is no limbo. I don't care what you've been taught as a kid. This Bible is clear. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And I don't want anybody to go to hell. That's why Jesus went to the cross, so nobody would have to go to hell. So I don't want anybody to leave here today if you don't know for sure that you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. And not only that, because see, we talk about heaven and hell, but you know there's something else that, that you get when you, when you give your heart to Jesus. Is you get, I mean, you, 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 he, he comes into your heart. And he he energizes you and he makes life worth living. You see, coming to Jesus is, is yes, it's, it's missing hell and making heaven, but it's so much more than that. I mean, if that's all we got out of it, that, that'd, be, that'd be a good deal. But not only do we miss hell and make heaven, but, we, but he'll energize us and he'll, he'll, he'll help us to live victoriously in this life. And, and so that's why you need to come to him. That's why you need to give your heart to him. I mean, yeah, you'll miss hell and make heaven, but, but also you'll be energized by the life of God and, you'll, and he'll, he'll help you in your everyday walk in this world, you see. So I tell you what, it just makes good sense to come to Jesus. So if you're here today and you've never repented of your sins, you've never turned away from your old life and you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart, or maybe you said it at one time, but you haven't been walking with him as you know you should, this would be a good day to get yourself right with God. Now, there's not a, you can't give enough money to the church to get right with God. You can't serve in the church enough to get right with God. You can't be the highest on the membership list of the church to be right with God. The way you get right with God is through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't leave here today. Until you know in your heart that you're right with the Lord. How do, I, how do I get right with Him? When we dismiss, come right up here to the front, see one of these men or, men or women, and say, hey, I want to I give my heart to Jesus. And they'll pray with you and they'll lead you into a relationship with Him. Also, if you need healing in your body, these nice people will pray for you. How many of you know God is still in the healing business? If you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit or you just need somebody to talk to, that's why these people are here. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm glad I came today. You know, the Word of God went forth. And uh, we had an opportunity to praise Him. And we put Him first on the first day of the week. And you know what I've learned is, is that if we'll put God first... He'll go out of his way to be a blessing to us and to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. And so as you go out this week and you get into one of these situations, we've, we've given you the answer before you run into the problem. Amen? 
And maybe some of you are dealing with some of these things. We've given you the answer from the word of God. How many of you are still excited about serving God? I'm excited about serving God. I'm looking forward to this year and just serving him and just, I'm looking forward to being happy this year. How about you? How many of you are looking forward to just being happy? Just let's be happy. Let's have a good time in the things of God. And, and, uh, and, and I'm just say, I'm going to be happy in 2011. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what's going on in the world, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to have the joy of the Lord. I'm going to be happy. And Summit Church is going to be known as not only a unique church, but a happy church with happy people and a happy pastor. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, greet somebody, tell them you're happy, and we'll see you next time.